Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passion, and their pursuit toward their happiness. I'm your host, Bev Mateyoshi, and I'm passionate about talking to people about their dreams and what drives them. So if you're just tuning in, don't forget to like and subscribe, hit that no notification bell because you never know, you could hear a story that inspires you to be the next person to take action and go after your dreams. So today's guest, I've worked with for a few years now. Um, I respect this man so much. Um, he's an incredible teacher, incredible teacher and coach and mentor. And he works for a company, a Fortune 500 company called Fortune Management. He helps dental offices and healthcare practices take their businesses to the next level using life-changing communication skills. And I have personally gone through his program and um, really experienced, you know, the valuable impact that has made not only in my professional life, but in my personal life as well. So um, I asked John to come on our show today to share his journey about um, his growth and development and his outlook for the future. So please give a warm welcome to John Harris. <laughs> this is my money tambourine. Do you I like it. I like it. <laughs> I figure I don't have a drum set, so um, I can do a drum roll, so I have a money tambourine. Right, right. <laughs> Thank you so much, John, for coming on to my show. I appreciate it. You're very it. welcome. You're very welcome. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited. So, um, John, tell me, like, tell the audience, like, um, you know, a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? I'm from a uh, small town in southern middle Tennessee called Tullahoma. Um, not too many people are familiar with that, but they are pretty familiar with Jack Daniels. And uh, Jack Daniels is made right down the road from us. Um, uh, Jack Daniels actually employs a very large percentage of our town. Um, <clears throat> but uh, born and raised there, I moved to Chattanooga for college. Uh, I can't remember the year 2001, I think. Um, fell into a career with FedEx and had a lot of success there. They moved me out to Johnson City. Um, I moved out there, was with them, uh, with, managed the station out there for several years before transitioning and changing my career and um, coming over to Fortune about 10, 11 years ago. You know, Tennessee, um, I've never I've never been there yet. <laughs> I feel like, wait, what part of Tennessee? I'm sorry. Southern Middle Tennessee. You're not missing anything. The only thing that we have that most other places don't have this humidity. Oh, humidity. <laughs> well, Hawaii has that. That's where I'm from. <laughs> but oh, yeah, Hawaii. I bet it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess when I think of Tennessee, I, I think of Nashville uh, or mm. Graceland or Dollyville, yeah. Dollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all there. yeah. You got country so, Elvis and Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yeah. That, I definitely have to go check that out as a tourist. Um, I haven't really been anywhere yet, and, and I've lived on the East Coast here for like uh, six years now. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So, John, what's your family like? Um, did you come from a family that was, I mean, you're in the fortune game now, but did you come from a family that, you know, kind of knew their way around fortune and, and money? Uh, no. Um, I'm one of the fortunate few who my parents, you know, have been together my whole life. Um, I've had both of them, you know, um, my whole life. So I'm very fortunate there, very grateful uh, to have that because I know a lot of people, you know, 
had to sacrifice early on. Um, whether that be the loss of, of one of their parents or just separation, but I was very fortunate there. Uh, neither of my parents, uh, came from, uh, college education. My father was in sales, uh, all the, as long as I've known him, he's been a hustler, you know, just kind of in sales and making deals and, you know, doing a variety of different things. My mom was pretty stable. Um, she worked in a dental lab for many years, uh, worked in an attorney's office for many years doing the bookkeeping, uh, fairly low income. Um, and then, uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. Um, didn't have much, but we had everything that we needed. Right. And so, um, we were never the, we were never the ones with the cool clothes and, you know, that kind of stuff in school. Uh, so, um, I think the necessity for us to develop somewhat of a personality you know, kinda, was kind of there. Unfortunately, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't learn that lesson. Um, so, uh, my brother and I were in sports and so we played sports all through college. My sister all through, you know, high school and middle school, my sister, um, uh, worked, uh, and then my brother and I had, you know, weekend jobs, but it was, it was interesting because the, like, for example, one of the jobs that I had for many years for probably since I was third from, from 13 to 18, I would drive like 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. I would clean horse stalls for eight hours and then drive 30 to 40 minutes home. And I made $20. And that guy was a family friend. He was a friend of my dad's. And so that what I learned was, is it wasn't really about the money, you know, cause the money didn't pay for anything. It barely paid for my gas there and back. Right. Mm -hmm. but, um, the interesting about it was, is it taught me work ethic, you know, because I saw how hard my dad worked. Um, and then every, if I wasn't in sports, I was working. Um, it was always, you know, uh, uh, difficult, you know, physical labor and that kind of stuff. And it taught us, a, it taught us a good work ethic. My sister, myself, my brother, you know, that's one thing I can say that we all, we all have in common is we, we work hard, um, sometimes to a fault. So, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can totally relate to that. I mean, we grew up on a farm. I'm a, I come from a family of five girls and my mom always used to tell us what I got you for, you know, <laughs> she didn't have to hire any labor you know, workers because she had five daughters to do it. And that's what we did on the summer. We would, or we had like a 15 acre farm, you know, and we had like two football field size sizes of like, we'd be picking jicama beans yeah. i don't know if you know what that looks like but it's horrible like just a picture of two football field size fields of just each plant with like like multiple beans on it and the beans were hairy and it was itchy we had to cover ourselves from head to toe because it was so itchy and in the hot sun in the summertime and pick them I one know. by one off each plant it, yeah. it was you know we we know what it's like to you know work hard and you know, I hated doing it at the time, but I really appreciate it now, like the, the work ethic that my parents put in us. Absolutely. Absolutely. The dynamic, the dynamic this day and age is very different because I'll hear people say things like, you know, I wish I could get my child to fold the laundry. I wish I could get my child to clean their room. And I'm like, that wasn't an option. <laughs> when I, was that age, I didn't have the choice whether I was going to do it or not do it. It was, you know, you do it. And that was just, there wasn't, there wasn't option B, you know? So I don't know. I think, um, 
I don't know, just different parenting style, I guess. I, I, I'm i not going to comment on which, which one's the right one or not, but uh, I, I'll say that the way I was raised taught me some very good things. Taught me some not so good things, but taught me some very good things. And so um, part of what I've tried to do as I've matured and gotten older is let go of the things that I learned that weren't as productive uh, as far as where I'm trying to go and who I'm trying to become and leverage the things that, that really do help me and really do benefit me. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I th think that's so important. Like just when you're a business owner and mm -hmm. you know, you're growing, you can't do everything. So, you know, it's, it's important to know what, what you can pass on to someone else or have someone else help you with. Right. But, man, during the pandemic, I taught my kids some life skills. I was like, you guys are home. You guys are going to help me. I yep. taught them how to, you know, they know how to use the microwave. They they know how to unload and load the dishwasher. They're eight and nine, you know, and they know how to vacuum too. Yeah. Uh, you got to turn it into a team game. <laughs> yeah, totally, <Teamful>. totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, John, I consider you a very highly influential person. Like um, just, you know, with everything, you know, watching you, um, you know, during your seminars and all that kind of stuff and all the teams that you work with, um, would you say that you always had this quality like of influencing people and, you know, being a leader, you know, even in high school and college? Uh, no. Um, I think that's, I think that was a learned trait. I think I've, I think I've always had this desire to be a leader, um, but I, I never was willing to put myself in a position that was susceptible to poor opinions from others. Like I wanted to be liked, I wanted to be accepted. You know, that's that's who I was as I got older, right, when I was younger. Um, and then when I, I learned quite a bit about this when I was at FedEx, because I mean, Basically, it was if everybody likes you, you're, if you're in a leadership position, everybody likes you, you're doing something wrong. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily necessarily agree with that, but to a large extent, it's very true. And so there was the journey that I've been on the last many years has really been a journey of personal growth, which is what I really appreciate about the, the role that I'm in in the, in the company that I work for now. Um, and that was the that was the thing that I had to overcome the most. It was being willing to be my authentic self and being okay if people didn't like that. Yeah, I I just feel like you know being an entrepreneur, like a, a business owner, you you go through that. Like people, mm -hmm. because I mean, you have to go through a whole lot of rejections and you know people not agreeing with what you're what you're doing. You know, <laughs> all the judgment. And you build some mental toughness and thick skin. And man, um, I just feel like it's rewarding though. Like once you get through it and you, you can push through and you succeed, like it, it feels so rewarding and, and just feels good, you know? Right. So I think, I think a lot of that also came from my spiritual growth because it's, I'm not trying to live my life in a way that makes other men or other women or other people. I'm not trying to live my life in a way that's satisfactory to other people. I'm trying to live my life in a way that's satisfactory to God. And as long as I feel like I'm doing that, then the opinions of other people is really irrelevant. Um, 
really. And what I've learned is that the more I learn to accept who I am, um, the more other people kind of reciprocated. So I became the more the more I liked myself, the more other people liked me. You know, and it was like, well, this is interesting. Yes, mm. I expected. I absolutely. You know, it's it's all about, you know, um, it. I don't know. It's for me. It's like just growing up. Like that was such a huge thing. Just mm. I, it was such a big thing. Just wanting to be accepted, and and liked. But I, I feel like now I, and I don't know if it's just me being a grown up now. <laughs> You know, like um, just accepting myself for who I am and actually just being aware of my emotions, you know, just for myself, not according to like what other people think. Right. It's, it's just um, something different that I've learned recently mm-hmm. and it's just been helping me grow so much. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's common. I don't know if other people, I don't know if other people's lives were similar to mine in that, you know, growing up, it was kind of like, how do I fit in? You know, who do I have to be to fit in? And it was kind of like all through middle school and high school, you're pretending to be this person that you're really not just so people like it and people are accepting of it. Um, and so it was, as I, as I got older and became more comfortable with who I was and just was okay. You know, I had that a different level of confidence. Um, it was interesting. It was, um, it's kind of like if you want to be, if you want to be outstanding, you have to stand out, you know? So the goal shouldn't be to fit in. Mm-hmm. The goal shouldn't be to be like everybody else. God didn't create us all the same for a reason. You know, it'd be pretty boring if everybody was identical. You know, there's a reason that we're different and I think there's power in diversity. And so rather than, you know, trying to hide what makes you different and try to fit in, you ought to be embracing what makes you different and standing out. You know, that's what makes you memorable. That's what makes you remarkable. Right, right. But that's a that's a lifelong lesson, man. You know, I'm still learning that. But it's uh, that's a lesson I think everybody, everybody will eventually learn if they haven't already. Right. So, like, when you worked for FedEx, um, what was your role there? Like, did you have a leadership position there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started. I started as a package handler, so I started like for I think it was seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. <laughs> I was working like um, I can't remember what my shift was, but I worked pretty much every shift there was. But uh, for like five hours straight, we would either load trailers or load packages onto vans or unload vans and all that kind of stuff. And then I got quote unquote promoted and to a position where I was like switching trailers. Like I was driving the machine that pulled trailers out of the doors and put trailers into the doors. Um, so a little bit more responsibility, right? Um, and then I got promoted from there into a part-time managerial role uh, where I ran the, um, I was responsible for the checkout operations. The drivers would come in and turning their stuff and I would, you know, check them out, check their numbers and all that kind of stuff. Then I went into full time into pickup and delivery and I managed the PND. Um, and then from there I got promoted out to Johnson city, um, where I ran, I more or less ran the station out there for several years, had a lot of success out there, um, and got, uh, recruited to be part of a kind of a quality action team where 
Um, I made a lot of changes in that building that worked out very well and it, it really turned the performance of that station in the right direction and it caught some attention. Um, and then so I, they, they put me on this quality action team where we started you know, um, creating and implementing best practices for all the other stations in our district. Um, and then that was slightly, that was shortly before I transitioned and came over to uh, Fortune. Okay. So what was the catalytic event that, you know, ignited the desire to change and take control of your life? Like for your, like what was, what changed? Like how did you transition between FedEx and Fortune Management? Uh, God made that decision for me, you know, um, I actually, I actually tailored my education to do what I do now. So when I went to UTC, you know, I majored in entrepreneurship, marketing and psychology, I triple majored. And, um, I did that because what I do now, all three of those, all three of those uh, verticals of education is very very important in the role that i serve now in the coaching role and in the business role and as an entrepreneur so um my the intention was to to leave fedex and go to fortune you know way before i did but the problem was that fedex was very comfortable i was good at it um i was successful there um i got a lot of accolades and acknowledgement and that kind of stuff uh, it, it, I was confident. I knew what to do. I had the answers. Uh, plus, I had a salary, so I had I knew how much money I was going to make. And in the role that I'm in now, it's 100% commission. Like I might have, I might make money this month. Next month, I might not. You know, so it's kind of like that's scary. Uh, at least it was for me then. And then I was more security at that time was a higher value for me than um, opportunity. And so now, and now opportunity is much higher, but so because of that, I stuck with FedEx and the opportunity for me to transition never really occurred until about 2010, I think. Um, and due to a, due to a series, uh, well, not really a series, I made a poor decision, um, during a peak season, we were had gotten hit really hard with weather and our vans couldn't dispatch. And so I took my truck that was four wheel drive and I went and delivered packages. And unfortunately, when I did that, my, my intention was we had these packages. It was Christmas presents. Kids are waiting on toys. I want to make sure people get their, their stuff. Um, but unfortunately, when I did that, I violated a handful of policies. <laughs> that shouldn't have been violated and therefore I, I got, I got terminated. And so that was really unexpected. Um, I wasn't in a position at that time to transition financially. I, even though I was making really good money, I was still living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Mm -hmm. so if, I, if I made X dollars, I spent X dollars. Right. Right. And, um, and so when that occurred, it taught me a very valuable lesson and it was don't let this happen again. Not the, not the changing careers. It's okay if that happens, but you don't need to be caught financially in a position like this again. You need to you need to do something about this, and that really inspired me to learn what I needed to learn from a financial standpoint to protect myself, short, intermediate, long term. Um, plus, because I was not in the best position, I liquidated a, a, a chunk of my four hundred one k, 
Um, and so that set me back in terms of retirement. So not only did I need to learn how to protect myself financially, now I also need to learn how to accelerate the growth, you know, of my, of my retirement options. Um, so that I'm, you know, that I'm able to do what I need to do long-term. Right. So it was, it was, it was an experience for sure. Very uncomfortable, uh, very hard. I was homeless for about six months, six to 12 months. Um, I can remember when I was building my fortune business, I couldn't afford hotel rooms. And so I would, you know, drive to Knoxville to go cold call and make sales calls and that kind of stuff. I would drive to a city and, um, I would park, you know, when I was done for the day, I would park in the Gold's Gym parking lot because I had a Gold's Gym membership for $15 a month. And then I could sleep in my truck and then go in and use the shower and shave and do all that stuff at Gold's Gym in the morning and then go, you know, do sales calls all day. And so that was about probably two years I spent doing that, uh, one or two years. Um, it was hard. It was a very difficult period. Um I struggled with depression a little bit during that period. Um, really, my self-confidence and self-esteem probably at an all-time low during that period. Um, but fortunately, I've got I've got family. I've got people that care about me um, and people that support me. And over the course of two or three years, I started to actually my, my book of business started to evolve, um, and then that has has. Uh, you know, progressed into where I am now. So it's, it's been, it was challenging, but it's been rewarding. And if I had to do it over again, I don't think I would do it any different. And everything that you just said, like the story that you just told, it sounds so familiar to so many people out there right now because of, you know, the pandemic, you know, and a lot of people lost their jobs, you know, like it just, I'm sure like a lot of people can relate to what you went through, you know, um, I can't believe you did that for that long, though. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it was, it was kind of like, you know, it, it's an eat what you kill business, you know. So they're, if, you've got to learn to be resourceful, you know, when you're in that position. So I don't think, for me, and I hope other people aren't the same way, but for me, when I got fired, that was like the end of the world. That was like the worst possible thing that could have happened. Like I, I saw... FedEx potentially being my future, right? Like I, I had my sights set on being CEO, right? As, as unrealistic as that sounds, that, that, that's what my vision was. Like I wanted to rise to the top, climb the corporate ladder. And when I got fired, that was such, uh, that had such an impact on my ego that, it, I mean, it crushed me. And so uh, my self-confidence, I lost, I lost faith. Um, spiritually, I hit the rock bottom, you know, I was just in a bad place. And if I had reframed that, if I had framed that a little differently in my mind, I don't think it would have been as difficult for me to build my business that I had now. I think I would have been, had a lot more success early on, but because I framed that in my mind as though, you know, I'm worthless, I have no, nothing of value, you know, who I was embarrassed by it and all that kind of stuff. Um, had I not framed it that way in my mind, I think my, it would be a lot different now. I'd be a lot further ahead than where I am now. Um, so if, if there's anything anybody can take away from that experience, and people have heard this said, but I'm telling you from experience, it's 100% accurate. 
and that is, and everybody's heard this this quote, but that is, a measure of a man is not who he is in moments of, of triumph or moments of failure. It's in how he responds. So it's not whether or not you get knocked down. It's whether it's how you respond. Right. right. So, how you pick yourself back up, right? right? And that's that's the only thing that I would change about that period of time in my life. It's not that it happened. Uh, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, if I had to choose between being where I am now and still being with FedEx, I'd choose being where I am now. But I, I couldn't have gotten here had I not gone through that. So I wouldn't change that that happened, but I would absolutely change how I responded to it. Right, right. Man, um, your business, like uh, Reagan, uh, your, your sister, she is, I just love that woman. She is such a fireball and just an amazing, amazing speaker. And was she the one who introduced fortune management to you? Yeah, she, she and I have always been real close. Well, since, since she got into high school, <laughs> when she was in middle school, we weren't too close. But uh, when she got into high school, she and I um, started to develop a relationship and it has grown since then. And I would have to say she's my best friend, uh, her, my mother, <laughs> probably my best friend. Um, and uh, I used to, when I would come home from Chattanooga, I would, I would hang out at her house. This is before she got married and had kids. Um, when I'd come home from school, she went to MTSU, which she could commute in Tullahoma. And I lived in Chattanooga. So I would come home from school and I would hang out with her all weekend. And uh, I can remember, you know, like when you get, engaged in a conversation with someone and it's one of those like really like intellectually stimulating and satisfying conversations you're like you know i want to have more conversations like this practically every conversation she and i have is like that and uh, i can remember i was sitting on sitting in the chair she was sitting on the couch and we were talking and uh she we were talking about a book called power versus force and um it's a phenomenal book and as we were talking about it, I said, is this what you do for a living? She says, what do you mean? And she said, you just go around and talk about this stuff. And she was like, more or less. And I made a declaration in that moment. I didn't realize what I did until many years later, but I made a declaration in that moment. And I said, I have to do that. And when I made that declaration, I set in motion the series of events that would ultimately come to fruition and put me where I am today. And so um, that's where it started. It was I was probably 21 years old, 22 years old. Wow, that's cool that you had that um, epiphany at such a young age, you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm in my 40s now, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like my epiphany came pretty late, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't care. At least I had it and I'm yeah. going after it, you know, like, I, I, I'm, I feel fulfilled because of that, you know. And it, it's different when you actually know where you're going, you know, what your end game is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great dynamic because our, our personality styles are very different. Um, she, she's an off the charts eye um, and she has developed her D just being an entrepreneur. Um, by nature, I was an SC and I quickly realized that my personality style was not, did not put me in the best position to be a successful entrepreneur. And so I had to develop my beat. And most recently, uh, 
I've taken the dish profile and I'm now a DC. So fortunately, I'm not as abrasive in my communication as you would imagine a DC would be. Um, but, um, but it certainly helps me as an entrepreneur be more decisive and be more comfortable taking risks, which is something that S's just don't do. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so our personality styles mirror and match and complement one another very well. And so it, it's, it's led us to build the, the business that we have. Um, and we're continuing to take strides every day. You know? So I guess, I mean, that means that you guys work well together. Cause like, I know, like I used to be in a band with my sisters and ooh, sometimes it was just, you know, straight up drama <laughs> working with my sisters, you know, like, but that's so cool that you get to work with your family and you guys work well together. The dynamic, you're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, she, she has to kind of redirect me sometimes because I'm like all business all the time. And uh, she's got a, a life that she's balancing. She's married. She's got two children. So she's got like a personal life and a business life. And I just have a business life. <laughs> so yeah, when we see each other on the weekends or something, I'm like, go, 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 business, business, business. And she was like, we need to table that for the team meeting on Tuesday. Uh, how's the, how's this thing going or something like that? And she'll try to, she tries to help me, you know, have a little bit of balance. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you got to get, get spread it out a little bit. Have some fun too. Right. It's not always all about business. Right. But um, what about your, for, for your family and your, your business? Like what is, what is, what do you see coming like in the next, I don't know, five years or so? Like what's the outlook? Uh, well, right now I'm focused on, uh, as I mentioned, uh, when we were talking earlier, um, we're focused on recruiting coaches and training coaches. Um, and I'm not really tied down. So I have the ability to, to travel more and go into an undeveloped market. So, and, and develop a book of business there, and then we'll acquire that franchise. We'll hire a coach, we'll train the coach. And so I'm kind of the guy that goes and does that. Um, and so we're in the process now. We just hired one, two, three, four coaches, um, getting ready to hire two more. Uh, we've got another, another franchise market we're getting ready to acquire. Um, and so I'm, we're trying to, to, to grow more um, horizontally rather than vertically. So having more coaches cover more geography and us being a support system for our coaches, we see that as our future. That's the path forward because she and I can only be so many places at a time. And so as far as fortune's concerned, that's what we're, that's, that's our, our plan. That's our business strategy there. Um, and it's going really well. Uh, I've also got a gym project. I'm building a gym in my hometown. Oh, cool. Uh, that is, uh, that's really a passion project. You know, that came about during COVID when all the gyms shut down. And I was like, how can I make sure I'm never without a gym? Oh, on a gym. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just going to ask you about that because I see all these pictures about of you on Instagram, you know, you're like, right. like freaking humongous. <laughs> Are you still like um, working toward, um, you know, doing your bodybuilding and Damn, yeah. Yeah. I've got a, uh, I'm actually fixing to start prep. I've got, I'm doing three shows this year and they're all back to back. So it's going to be three weeks. And I'm going to do about an 18 week prep and then I'm going to do three shows like three weekends in a row. 
Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, still train, you know, um, do my training. You know, just ate one of my meals right before this podcast. I'm still doing the, the nutrition and doing my training. And um, when everything shut down, I was fortunate enough that the guy that owns my home gym kind of let me in the back door. And I was like, well, it was good that that worked out that way. But what if I don't have that? You know, I want to make sure because that the gym is like my that's my personal time. That's my me time. Like, don't talk to me. I've got my headphones on. I'm like in in here. I'm, doing, I'm in here for two hours. I'm doing my thing. I'll talk to you before I start. Or I'll talk to you after I start. But don't don't interrupt me while I'm while I'm doing my thing. Because that's that's my that's my time. That's my time. Right. And um, I was like, I've got to have that because that's like my stress release. That's my therapy. You know, that's all that stuff. Um, it's time my time to think because I spend so much time on the phone and talking to people and I'm an introvert, you know, so I recharge when I'm thinking, you know, not when I'm talking. And so that that time is important to me to, to have that to just collect my thoughts and think and and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I was like, how can I make sure that I that I always have this to do? And uh, I was like, well, let's let's own a gym. And so the guys that own my gym approached me about buying it. And um, we went back and forth several times. Long story short, we were unable to reach an agreement. And so I was like, okay, well, I still want a gym, so I'll just start one. And so um, that has led me to where I am now. We're, we're breaking ground, uh, building a building from scratch. I've got the equipment being manufactured, and, and uh, we're looking at opening sometime mid-April. That's exciting, John. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm too. That's a... Uh, I hope to get to train in it one time before my show, like sometime during prep. I want to be able to like go in there and work out. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's uh, I've been in the gym since I was 13 years old. You know, that's been a, that's been a part of who I am. And you know, it was I had um, when I was younger, I got and I didn't have the healthiest eating habits, but I still trained real heavy with weights. And I was about 305 pounds when I was 18. And then um, when I decided I wasn't playing football anymore, there was no reason for me to be big. And I was going to college, so it was kind of like, let's let's close this chapter and let's write a new chapter. And I lost 135 pounds. And so then I went to college and I was like this skinny guy, you know, that didn't that I didn't have very much muscle on me. And I was like, well, I don't I don't like this either. So let me try to find a happy medium. And so that's when I uh, befriended a bodybuilder in Chattanooga and he kind of pointed me, you know, in that direction. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. And then um, I didn't start the goal. I had a, a vision. I had a kind of a, a goal in mind to compete at some point, but um, I never, I didn't have the belief system to back it up. I never really believed it was in the cards for me because I was always a fat guy. Um, I was always self-conscious about my body. Right. Like the scariest thing I could possibly imagine would be standing on stage in front of a bunch of people in my underwear. Right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'm telling I'm telling you this for a reason. Um, and so after several years, I finally just and I tried to for a couple of years, I tried to prep myself and compete. It was not successful. Um, and so then I hired a coach and I said, listen, there, there's something to this that I don't know. Um, I need somebody to help me navigate what I don't know I don't know um, and see if I can do this thing. And so I hired a coach. Everything changed. And um, I competed in my first show. Um, 
wasn't the greatest, but it was the the best, you know, physique I had ever had. Um, and uh, what I learned when I did that was, like I said, that at, before I did that, the scariest thing imaginable imaginable for me, someone who is is a who fears judgment, um, who's self conscious, very self critical would be to stand on stage in front of a bunch of people whose sole job is to critique you, to judge you. And it was a, it was a blur. Like, I don't remember the, the experience of actually being on stage, my first show. And uh, when it was all said and done, I was like, that wasn't so bad. It was not, it was not nearly as, as painful as I had made it up to be in my mind. And I met a lot of really cool people, made a lot of really good friendships. And I was like, I like this. This was, this was good. And so then it transitioned, transformed into this thing that where now I have this challenge of, of being better than I was last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I fell in love with the sport and it really doesn't have anything to do with the competing part because I don't, at the end of the day, I don't really care if I win or lose or how I place. It is who I become in the process of setting that goal and achieving that goal, right? Like my goal was to compete and who I was after I did that was a, that was a different person. And I know that's, I know that sounds weird to say, but I was a different person after that competition than I was before. My confidence was different. My, my, my self-respect, my self esteem that it was all very elevated compared to where it was not cocky but just confident like i was like i told myself i was going to do this thing and i did it and here we are right so what i learned was i think that's where confidence comes from i think confidence i think the recipe for confidence is telling yourself you're going to do something and then doing it Making promises to yourself and keeping Bingo. promise. Bingo. Because right. now I can count on myself. I can count on myself to do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. And then <laughs> after you reach that goal, you're like, okay, you get stretched now. Like, yeah. what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? Yeah. Because if you think about it, how often does somebody say, you know, January 1st, I'm going to lose weight. And then two weeks later, they quit the gym and they don't go back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, that pattern of behavior that that diminishes confidence. If I can't count on myself to do what I say I'm going to do, then I'm not going to be confident in that. I can't count on it. I mean, that's what confidence is: it's certainty. I'm certain it's going to be this way. But if I can't count on myself to do what I say I'm going to do, there's no certainty there. So I think even small victories, even if I say I'm going to lose one pound, and then I'm going to lose two, if I say I'm going to do this or I say I'm going to do that making myself do it and all of those little small victories, no matter how small they are, they, they grow into what will inevitably become more self-confidence. Right. And just giving up, like if you make a habit of giving up, like, I mean, it becomes a habit. If you let yourself give up, it becomes a habit. And then it's easy to just give up. Ah, I can't do that. I'll just give up, you know, like, and people do that all the time. People do that all the yeah, time. Like Michael, Jordan said, Michael Jordan said, never quit. Because if you do it once, makes it easier to become a habit. Makes it easier to, to do it again. And it right. becomes a habit. You know, right. so um, 
so yeah, I mean that's a it's it's a challenging sport because it's 24 7 365. Like there's never an off period. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, man. I, I just it blows my mind the, the amount of discipline you need to do that, especially with you, what you do in your business, all the traveling you have to do, and then you do that uh, bodybuilding on top of that. I, I mean, you got to be a little bit crazy. Well, I look, <laughs> I, I look at it. Sometimes I think it's sometimes I think so. Um, but then I compare myself to people who don't have what I have. You know, they're trying to work and, and go to the gym and they don't have a car. You know, they don't have the money to get a hotel or they don't have the money to pay for a gym membership or, you know, there, there are, I'm, I'm very, I'm in a very, very good place compared to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like I have no reason to, no reason to complain. I have no excuses. There's nothing I could possibly say that would justify, you know, me thinking that, that what I do is hard, you know? That's a really good way to look at it. If, you know, you start making excuses, <laughs> you know, there's so many people out there that are doing it and they don't have what you have. Like every time I feel like, you know, you know, I, I, I want to make excuses. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> it's going to make me. There's, there's a great quote that I love. And I say this to myself all the time. And it is, there's always somebody out there doing more than you with less than you or doing more than you're doing with less than you have. Right. Right. That's a good way to look at it. I'm going to remember that. And every time I'm, I'm, you know, being weak, <laughs> I don't want to you know, uh, make all kinds of excuses. That's a really good way to look at it. And um, so I, I was thinking like with, you know, your business and with this bodybuilding passion of yours, like how, how do you hope to inspire other people with what you're doing? Um, I think we're, I think where inspiration comes from, there's a great poem by Marianne Williamson called Our Deepest Fear. And so, like, I think my goal in life is, now it's going to sound kind of cliche, but my goal in life is to be who, be who God created and intended me to be. And that's very uncomfortable. That's not an easy thing to do because everything that we've learned from the moment of birth tells us the exact opposite, right? It's like, it's not the water around the ship. It's the water that gets in and it sinks the ship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, when we were brought into this world, um, there's a great uh, phrase that says, for the spirit God gave you does not make us timid. It gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And so that resonates with me very much because what that tells me is that when we came into this world, our state, our spirit was power, love, and self-discipline. But what we've learned since we've been here is depression, stress, anxiety, fear, anger, you know what I mean? We've learned the exact opposite. And so if, if, if I want to, if I want to pursue and attain my destiny, I want to pursue and attain what I'm intended to attain. I can't do that unless I come from power, love and self-discipline. And so it's kind of like this process of scooping the salt water out. 
along the way because that water, you know, makes us veer off course a little bit. Um, and so oftentimes I'll ask myself, that's my bold statement is the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And anytime that I'm feeling anxious or fearful, you know, I'll repeat that to myself over and over again. And what it reminds me of is that that's who I really am, that this, this anxiety that I'm feeling or this fear that I'm feeling, that's a lie. That's not, that's not real. What's real is power, love, and self-discipline. And I think by choosing to be that, it gives other people permission. It shows other people that it can be done. Um, and it gives other people permission to do the same, which is exactly what Marianne Williamson poem says. It says, when we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I think experiencing, experiencing that, like being liberated of your own fear, we call that inspiration. We call that I'm inspired, right? So it's, 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 it's not so much that my intention is to inspire people. Um, it's more my intention is to be who I feel like I was created to be. And I, I hope that I'm, I'm honored and grateful and appreciative of the idea that, that, that my decision to do that um, inspires. I mean, that's a, that's a very flattering, that's a very flattering thing to hear. Yeah. And well, when other people see, you know, you being disciplined, you know, and, and not giving up and actually attaining your goals, that is inspiring. It's inspiring for people to see that. And I'm inspired by it, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on the show and talk to me today because um, I just wanted to tell you that, like, I've learned so much from you, you know, and um, just the growth, you know, in the short time that we had together. Um, I, I, I just feel like a different person from the beginning, you know, and until now, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've grown so much. And um, I just want to ask, like, is there anything, you know, for those people in the audience watching, like, is there anything that they can do to help support your endeavors? endeavors? Like, is there a place that they can go to find out more um, about what you do? Or is there anything that you can ask of the audience to help you? Um, yeah, I would say not, not necessarily anything for me, but I would just encourage, I would encourage anyone listening to this to do a couple of things. Um, just take my word for it and accept who you are. Okay. And be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, then find out what would have to happen for you to be okay with that and go do that. Like, like if, if, if I'm not confident who I am or I don't like who I am, why not? And then fix that. And then, and then do that. Um, and then I would just say to, to remember, remember, who, remember who, who you were created to be, right? Remember who you came in this world as, not what this world has taught you, not what other people have told you you are or what this world or society has taught you you are. Forget all that crap. Um, know who you are, right? And you are courage, power, strength, love, self-discipline. 
That's who we are. And go be that. Right. And be true to yourself. Bingo. Absolutely. Right. So thank you so much, John. I really appreciate, you know, all the value you've brought to your clients' lives and my life professionally and personally. I appreciate you so much. So much. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. Fantastic, amazing compliment. So thanks again for joining us on Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, passions, and their pursuit toward their happiness. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like and subscribe. And I'm super grateful for your support and growing our passions. So until next week, be passionate.